Welcome to the Benakiba Connects podcast, a podcast exploring the challenges and transformational technology in the insurance industry. Join us as we talk about industry issues and the technology, tactics, and tools that will help your business become a beneficiary first company. We are on a mission to help our clients become customer centric in their approach to claims management with powerful processes, customer experiences, and technology. Now, here's your host, Ashley Oxholm. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Benakiva Connects podcast. My name is Ashley Oxholm. I am your host, and I have the pleasure today of having Emma Roloff on. Emma, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Ashley? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, Emma, why don't you just start out by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you're at, and and who you work for? All right. Well, you said it, but my name is Emma Roloff, and I'm the Director of Property and Casualty Solution Sales for a company called EIS. So we help our carrier partners manage core policy admin transformations. So billing claims, policy, how you interact with your customers, and everything that's wrapped up in that that umbrella. I also have a YouTube channel called Leading Change, where I do expert interviews with people in the industry and actually outside of the industry a little bit too, talking about digital transformation, broad field components of what's going on with an insurance, and then a topic that's near and dear to my heart of change management as well. Um, Excellent. Outside of work, I have two little girls, and my husband and our family live in Madison, Wisconsin, or just outside of it. Um, Was born in New Mexico, but ultimately born and raised here kind of mentality. I didn't stray too, too far from where I grew up after we moved here when I was eight years old. It's one of those communities where a lot of our friends that did move away are suddenly starting to come back now that we've we all have kids. So lots of friends and family around from years past. And um, as much as the Wisconsin winters allow us, we spend a lot of time outside, biking, hiking, that kind of thing. And so I think that's a good synopsis, so to speak. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk with you about that digital transformation. As you know, Benakiva's focus is specifically on claims and servicing and our our single platform that that does end-to-end next-generation claims and servicing. But I, I was doing a little bit of research about you know, what it is that you guys do. And everyone knows, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, everybody knows that everything lives, breathes, and dies in an admin system. And the how crucial it is for for carriers and carrier partners to be just willing to change and move forward and, and embrace digital transformation and, and getting the most and best for what will you know will ultimately be their beneficiaries. So I have to ask, and I ask everybody this, and if you've listened to this podcast before, I'm sorry because you hear this question every time, but no one intentionally ends up in insurance, or at least no one I've met yet. So how did you end up in the insurance industry? Because everyone that I've spoken to didn't mean to end up here, but none of us have left here either. Yeah, I would say that that matches my arc as well. So I went to school to be a teacher and pretty quickly on the tail end of my college career, when I was starting to look at applying for jobs, 
was recruited to go work for a fast food chain in their training department. So that was kind of my first taste of being in the business world and kind of seeing how I could take some of those education skills and bring them into a business setting. Through that experience, realized, oh, I kind of I kind of like this this side of the world. I'd like to stay here. And was encouraged by my husband and a couple of other family members to try out sales. At the time, that was something that seemed very far outside of my comfort zone. But I did find an organization called Navient, which was a process consulting and software implementation company that decided to be brave enough to give me a chance without a lot of experience in technology or sales at that point. So I joined their team and probably about a year after learning their software platforms and kind of the lay of the land from that perspective, they approached me and said, hey, a lot of our really top customers are within the insurance industry. We don't have anybody that's like specifically focused in that area. Is that something you're interested in learning about? And when you're 25 and someone comes to you and says that at work, your your answer is not, no, I don't want to learn that. So of course, I started learning about insurance. And admittedly, it was probably not at the top of my list from an insurance person or from an industry perspective. Once I started getting into it, and I would say after a year or two specifically of, of getting into the industry and understanding some of the challenges from like a digital per, digital transformation perspective, there was a lot of opportunity to help companies. But also once I got in and started working with people that are in the industry and seeing how great the people are in this industry and how strong relationships are at kind of the heart of the insurance industry, I, I kind of got hooked. And then again, kind of as I was looking to take that next step in my career, I thought to myself, like, I definitely want to go deeper into insurance. And I certainly don't don't regret that that transition at all. And I feel like I've really found a a great tribe of people and topics and that are really interesting to me from from like an industry focused perspective. Oh, that's that's just that is pretty much exactly kind of how I ended up where I ended up too. It's been a pleasure, honestly. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit corny to our listeners, but at the end of the day, I really do enjoy the industry. I enjoy working with people. I still enjoy being able to help people, but maybe not in the traditional way that I thought that would look when I was younger. The insurance industry is a huge industry within the United States, well, globally, really. And it's definitely not going anywhere. So it offers that stability on top of just always a learning opportunity and, and an opportunity to, to bring change within one of the oldest industries in the United States. So as you know, in March, we, we do a focus on women in industry or women in the software industry, specifically for insurance carriers. So for our listeners, the insurance industry has largely been considered male-dominated, at least on an executive level and leadership level. I will say, because Benakiva focuses on claims and servicing, most people who work within claims are actually women, but the industry as a whole is fairly male-dominated. So I'm going to ask you, Emma, do you feel like there has been any challenges in being a woman in what is traditionally a male-dominated field? So I think both technology and and insurance are predominantly male-dominated. I have been very fortunate, I would say, in terms of the mentorship that I've received from men within the industry, as well as 
especially more recently, starting to see these really incredible female role models start to, you know, take me under their wing, also just become more prominent sources of inspiration and leadership within the industry. So I would say I'm I'm sure I would have a different answer had my career started 10 to 15 years earlier than it did within the industry. That being said, I do think that there are still some natural inclinations towards some of the differences, whether it be socialization of males and females or communication styles and those types of things where I would say I've seen the most friction in my career. Just because I might use more words to get an idea across doesn't mean that I'm not assertive. Uh, Or just because I am a female, it doesn't mean that I'm a people pleaser in a sales position. I'm just doing what I can to make my client happy. So I think there's this quick attention towards pointing out maybe some of those general socialization differences between males and females. I got a little bit more of that earlier in my career than I do today. But I would say that there's still some of that from time to time, or even just like a natural inclination of people to assume that I'm in some other role other than sales because I'm a woman. So like, oh, you must be a consultant. Well, no, I promise I'm not. I'm just really good at consultative selling. Um, so I think that there's there's still some work to go in that direction in terms of how we address and have those conversations. But again, I think by and large, from some of the stories that I've heard from other people in the industry, I've been very, very fortunate in the relationships that I've had and the way that I've been treated. I would agree. When I started, and I I started in the insurance industry about 11 years ago, and then I moved to the software industry. When I started out in the software industry, it was definitely a boys club and the feedback and the assumptions I got about me were less than just not what you would hope. But I I will also say in the last 10 years, we've made extreme growth and I have just seen a huge turnaround and the, the leaders that have taken me under their wing over the last seven years, especially I mean, I, I still get texts from my old supervisors that say, hey, can't wait to work for you one day. And, you know, it's really encouraging. I will say there was a point I, I was interviewing a salesperson and he was a little more seasoned of a salesperson. And we did the whole interview and he told me what kind of person he is to work for. And his assumption was just that I would I would work for him and that I, I would be serving more of an assistant role to him. And then I, I told my boss and he was just like, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. You run an entire department. So I do know like those assumptions have come across my desk several times, although I have to give credit to society as a whole. I do think we've made huge strides and steps away from that. And I can tell, say, at least for my experience at Benakiva and, and even before Benakiva, my the two companies before that. I have felt nothing but respected and given opportunity and for equality and equity within the company. So it's been a really wonderful experience. But I certainly know that that is not the case for everyone within the industry. So we're going to shift just a little bit and talk about just general challenges within the insurance industry and what challenges do you see coming in the industry in the next five years? So when I look at where we're at, 
in terms of technology adoption, I mean, it's no mystery to any carrier, anyone that's listening to this podcast, that the insurance industry has to shift and move very quickly to be able to kind of meet customer expectations. One thing I will say is that a lot of people within our industry, as I mentioned, I had kind of a cross industry focus prior to the last six months. There's this perception that insurance is somehow further behind than many other industries. And I would say the dirty little secret is nobody is as far ahead in this journey of transformation as they would like to pretend they are, whether it's banking or retail. There are these big legacy systems and things that are happening in the background, even if the front end is fancy. So I don't think this is unique to insurance, but there's still a very far way to go for our digital front-end experiences to fully match our back pro- our back-end processes and the way that we manage things. And <clears throat> especially if you're looking at something as big and impactful as a core system transformation, some of those tools that carriers are using have been around literally like were developed before I was even born. Absolutely. <laughs> And they've got all of the data from all of that historical processing. And there's just so, so much to be done to get to the point where we've completely transformed everything. I think sometimes we kind of put the cart before the horse in in some scenarios where we're so focused on things like, how do we get you know, all of the, the connected data from cells and cars and, you know, or <clears throat> watch as if you're on the health side of things. And, you know, how are we going to incorporate all of that data into our pricing structure? It's like, well, hold on. Have we even addressed how we're managing data in the back end of, of yeah. things? Do we even make the most of the data that we've got today? And are we using it to truly drive decisions Or are we just collecting data for the sake of collecting data because that's what we've been told to do? So I think one of the biggest challenges that we're going to see over the next five years is really kind of like this moment of truth as we look at really taking advantage of all of the new technologies that's available is making sure that that can actually mesh with what's happening on the back end of our processes and make sure that we've done the cleanup work and kind of like the basics that we need to be able to take advantage of all of that. You mentioned, Ashley, earlier that like everything, you know, is like born and dies within an admin system within a carrier. If that admin system is old and can't keep up or you're doing things like building front ends and and more layers on top of it, which I know a lot of carriers have done, you can probably keep up for a certain amount of time. But I think that point of reckoning is getting closer and closer for money carriers as they start to look at how they can actually be agile enough to keep pace with what customers are expecting and what the industry is expecting of them. So I would say that we're getting closer probably within that next five years where there's going to be moments of truth for those carriers that haven't done that back-end work or that like kind of foundational work that's needed to get themselves to that next level to meet those customer expectations. Absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. When we created and brought Benakiva to the market, one of the key things that we wanted was the ability, Benakiva is completely configurable, and we wanted the ability to connect with any admin system, bring at least all of the, the claims and servicing part to one platform. So you're not opening nine and 10 and 12 and to some carriers, 27 different 
different programs in order to process one claim. So that was our main goal. But I think you really hit it right on the head there. Just we we want the front end solution. We want all of that to be the latest and greatest. For us, we call it that Amazon experience that we offer for with our claim, claims and servicing transformation and because that's what people are expecting. But you can't abandon the back end and the admin system and, and you have to really utilize all of this data that you've collected. Some of our carriers have data for a hundred years. We spoke with a a large carrier a couple of weeks ago and their oldest client is 103 years old and they have had a policy with them for 87 years. Like that is just, it's so much information and so much data out there. So no, I think you really, really said that just, just perfectly. So now we're going to kind of jump back just a little bit. And I want to I want to talk about what challenges you think women specifically will face in the next five years? Or do you think we're coming to a time period where, you know, we've moved forward a lot and that it's it's a lot more equal and it's a lot more fair within the industry? I think we have moved forward and I, at least personally, am not overly concerned that opportunities will not be available to me strictly based off of gender, which is a really, really great spot to be situated in. Where I do think that there potentially will be challenges is a little bit, again, based on that idea of differences in socialization or differences in how women and men approach problems, how we look at things in terms of, and this is obviously not clear cut, I would be probably doing reverse sexism to say that like all women are more empathetic than men or anything along those lines. But I do even just look at like how I view the digital transformation landscape or how I view things like customer experience. I personally am a very, like I was going to be a teacher, like empathy and sociological dynamics and psychological dynamics and those types of things have always been really important to me. I think overarchingly as like a trend in society, men tend to opt towards logic and, you know, there's a reason that there's kind of this stereotype that men fit better into STEM careers than women and women are typically pushed a little bit more in that liberal arts direction or things like caring Mm -hmm. careers. As we start to see more of that balance, I think that there might become friction in terms of how we address problems, what angle we'd like to take at solving things. And if you are the only person in the room that's looking at a problem from your perspective, it is a challenge for you to figure out. I think this is a challenge for anybody, male or female, but to figure out how to put yourself in the position of those other people, understand how they're thinking and how you can articulate your ideas to get them to see your point of view. Again, I don't think that that's something that's specific to male or female, but I do think that the potential of more diversity coming into higher level discussions presents more opportunity for friction in terms of the way that we're solving problems and the way that we're looking at things. Again, if you're outnumbered in a room with the way that you're thinking about something, you might start to feel like your ideas are being pushed aside or again. But I think that there is ultimately a lot more openness to new ideas in different directions of solving problems and diversity across the board within the industry. 
But I would be naive to say that there isn't room for improvement in terms of how, what that access looks like and how we help people get to those, that level where that is the challenge that they're facing. But I think as we see this tide changing, being able to figure out how do we meld ideologies, how do we, um, you know, weave approaches together is going to be a challenge for the industry as a whole as we see more diversity come into leadership structures across the board. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note for all of our listeners, if you are in a room and and your perspective is different than everybody else, recognize that you need to be in that room. We need all of those different perspectives. We need those voices and to look at things differently. That's how you bring any kind of change or innovation. All innovation came from somebody thinking, how do we do this better? How do we do this differently? How do we enhance what we're already doing? So I would say one of the struggles that I see that women face in all industries is honestly just going for it. You know, we talked in one of our last podcasts that, you know, men will apply for a job even if they only have 60% of the qualifications, while women will typically only apply if they have all of the qualifications. Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage our female listeners, men, just go for it. Go for it. Use your voice, even if it's a different perspective, even if you're standing alone, because that brings so much value to a team. I can't even begin to describe just within the Ben Akiva team. And we have very open communication with Ben Akiva in, within our organization and everyone talks and we, we're collaborating constantly. I can't even begin to describe the value of all of those different perspectives and what they bring to the table and how that changes how we do things, how we communicate our strategies, our processes. So I just want to encourage our listeners to speak up and use that voice and and. Don't just stand in the background or or don't just think like, oh, well, they're not going to see it from my perspective. No, definitely speak up. You're not, I mean, and I think that's some of like the socialization differences. You mentioned that idea of like going for a job when you're mostly qualified versus 100% qualified. And I would say, you know, from that mentorship and typically mentorship actually from males within my life telling me that exact message of like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Somebody says no to you, like, that's okay. And I mean, you're going to end up with the same outcome, whether you apply for the job and don't get it, than if you don't apply for it. So how does it hurt you to go after that opportunity? Those are some of the things that, again, just like innately from a socialization perspective uh, in our society. And they're the CEO of the, the women who are girls that code recently did an interview and I saw a clip of it. She was talking about the idea of perfectionism within girls and how women and girls are raised to be perfect and men are raised to be brave. And one of the things that they saw when they started Girls Who Code was that um, girls would sit and they'd work and they'd try to solve a problem. And when they got stopped, they'd delete everything that they had. They would start again and they would delete everything. And by the time that they finally called an instructor over, the instructor would come over and it would be blank. They'd say, I'm stuck. I need help. The instructor realized that if they started undoing, they could see all of the work that the girls had deleted because they were more concerned with being perfect and they would rather show nothing, that they had been sitting there doing nothing than show that they had gotten stopped and didn't have a perfect solution to the problem. Whereas like boys are more likely to come over and say, this is where I got, this is what I've been doing. Tell me where I went wrong. 
So some of that, again, is just kind of relearning habits as an adult and hopefully helping raise, you know, kids that have different viewpoints of what it means to be brave versus perfect and with the next generation. When I heard that like idea of being raised to be perfect versus brave, it matches up with that idea of applying for a job even if you're not perfect. Oh, absolutely. I can all say, you know, just being really transparent, that speaks probably to the core of who I am in a lot of ways as a person. Your classic overachiever as a child, overachiever into adulthood, just seeking to do, you know, all of those things perfect. Luckily, I've been surrounded by wonderful mentors and our CEO, Brent Williams, is one of them who are like, you're putting that expectation on you, not me. You're putting that expectation, you know, and that's been so good. So for all of our leaders out there that are listening, if if you're training and you're mentoring and you're bringing people up, you know, I'm just going to encourage you to encourage them not to seek out that perfectionism and to be just build them up and to kind of speak life into all of the people within your organization, because that's really where you're going to get the work and you're going to get that quality and you're going to get those, those people who stay. And, and that's what we want as an organization, right? We want people who stay and who do their best work, do as much good as you can for as long as you can is what I say. So we, we've kind of jumped back and forth about talking about insurance industry issues and then women in the insurance industry. And I want to end our podcast on... T- What advice do you have for carriers? I think going back to a little bit of what I talked about in terms of the challenge of the next five years, my advice or challenge back to carriers would be to really take a moment and like a deep breath to look at your transformation strategy and if you have truly kind of done what I call the basics. So more than just like backend system cleanup, like I was talking about, but do you really truly have a clear vision of where you want to take your organization in the next five years? That doesn't mean every single detail is figured out because we all know that you have to be flexible and be able to kind of like move fluidly with what's developing around you. But do you have a really strong vision of where you want to take your company and how you're going to use people, process, and technology to get there. Because you're not going to be able to do it with any one of those alone. Yep. So do you have that clear vision? And then is that vision shared clearly and concisely enough throughout every layer of your organization that your team understands how they can contribute towards that goal? Because when we look at innovation, it can't be just led from the top and it can't be just led through the layers bottom up. It needs to be happening at every level of the organization and you need to have new ideas and fresh thought throughout. But where I think we get into trouble with that idea of like innovation being led from everywhere within the company is that it can lead us in different directions and fragment our approach. Absolutely. you have to start with that really strong vision and that has to be set at the executive level and then clearly communicated throughout the entire company so that you can really facilitate this idea of innovation across the organization, but that everybody's headed in the same direction. That's really, to me, the absolute most necessary thing to be able to be successful in the next five to 10 
years is really making sure that you've got a strong vision and that your team is all marching in that same direction and then letting innovation and new ideas flow from there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And Emma, it has been a pleasure to have you on our podcast. I hope we can have you back on when we can dive in even deeper to digital transformation and what that looks like from a policy admin system. Hopefully we can learn more about EIS and what you guys do. For all of our listeners out there, find Emma on LinkedIn, find EIS on LinkedIn, connect with her. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Benakiva Connects podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.benakivaconnects.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you liked this show, you might want to check out a demo of our software. Simply go to www.benakiva.com and click request a demo. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode where we will continue setting the digital foundation for end-to-end claims and servicing transformation.